Hey everyone, this is Jim from faithtestedbyfire.com, and you're listening to the Faith Tested by Fire podcast. Okay, so today I want to talk about ending confusion. And what I mean by that is uh, when you look around you in your life, sometimes things, maybe they just don't add up. Um, I'm talking about your individual life experience. And most of the things that we do in our life uh, add up. What I mean by that is all things being equal, 2 plus 2 always equals 4. What goes up always must come down. And uh, basic things like that. So when we look at the Bible, the Bible says that if you do this, this will happen. And sometimes you see it happen right away, and sometimes you don't see it happen for long stretches of time. And if you don't see something happen over a stretch, a long stretch of time, then uh, it concerns you because you think, well, maybe I did it wrong. I mean, think about how you think in the natural. Um, if you took out, let's say, a frozen um, piece of meat and put it on the countertop, to thaw, or, or frozen anything, and let's say you went away and came back an hour later and it was just as frozen as it was the moment you took it out. And then you walk away again, you come back two hours later, and it's still as frozen as before. Well, that just doesn't add up, right? Because you'd be thinking that, well, this isn't supposed to happen. When I take something out that's freezing and put it in a temp- room temperature, how can it maintain that freezing temperature? It just it just doesn't add up. So we want the things of God to add up when we see simple statements, like um, uh, G- simple things that Jesus said, like give and it shall be given unto you again. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, right? Um, men will give unto your bosom, he said. So if you're trying to give, because you want to see something come back again, and it doesn't come back again, then it appears that, well, that doesn't work. And if you ask somebody, um, you know, about that, somebody who believes in that, another believer, they might tell you, well, you just have to be patient. And that may be true. Maybe you just haven't been patient enough. Or, um, you know, you need to give with the right heart attitude. And I agree with that. Um, But I also know that, you know, you can only examine your heart so far. I mean, you think you're doing the right thing. You really examine. And a lot of questions come come up when you really examine yourself closely. Matter of fact, Paul even said that he didn't judge himself. He just committed himself to him who judges faithfully. Because, you know, we we rationalize a lot of things. um, And we we look at ourselves and our, our opinions of ourselves are skewed. Sometimes for the better, sometimes the worse. Maybe sometimes we're right on the money, but the Bible says that God judges righteously. So I'm bringing all this up because when you do something simple and you're expecting something to happen as a result of your actions and it doesn't happen, then that becomes kind of discouraging after a while. And if you apply the perseverance principle, because make no mistake about it, the Bible does say to follow those or imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let's Actually, I'm going to read that from Hebrews chapter 6 and uh, verse number 12. Um, actually, let's start in, in verse number 10. It says, 
for God is not unrighteous, this is the American King James Version, basically the same as the King James with that the theirs, the these, and the thous. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work your la and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. So right there he says God is not unrighteous to forget. So if you do something good, if you do a labor of love, which you're doing in, in good conscience, right? In good faith towards others. The Bible says God is not unrighteous to forget it. So it goes on in verse 11 and says, And we desire that every one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end. So let's take a look at that in some other translations and see how that reads. Because... Uh, that can be kind of a mouthful if, you not, if you're not familiar with the King James language. Um, okay, let's, here it is in the um, English Standard Version. It says, We desire each of you show the same earnestness and have the full assurance of hope until the end. So what does it mean? Earnestness, diligent. In other words, keep on keeping on and have full assurance. I like the word assurance because... Assurance means that it's going to work. It's not going to fail. Have the full assurance of hope until the end. So hope and faith are two words that are very similar in the Bible. Um, hope basically sees a positive end result in the future. And hope believes that it has that as a present tense reality. Not in the visible world, but in the invisible world. So let me say that again. Hope is like the vision of a positive outcome. right? You, you, you exercise in the hope that tomorrow you'll look better um, when you look at yourself in the mirror, that you'll lose weight, you'll feel better, you'll um, be healthier, so on and so forth. So that hope, the Bible says, is a future tense thing. But faith is the substance of things hoped for. And Jesus said, when you pray, believe. So believing is believing that you've already got the answer in the present tense in your heart or in the spirit or in God's world. So we live in two worlds, so we need something to deal with both of them. Faith believes it has the answer today, and hope sees it coming to pass in the visible realm. If you throw faith away, then all you're left with is hope, is the vision of um, what tomorrow would be, a better vision of a better tomorrow. But if you don't have faith and believe that you have it now as a spiritual reality, you don't believe that you have it in your heart as a present tense. You don't believe, in other words, that you possess the title deed. Think of it like that. Another translation said faith is the substance of things hoped for. So that substance may be like a blob to you because it hasn't actually taken shape yet, but yet that blob is in your possession. Or another translation says faith is the title deed. In other words, you have the title deed and maybe it's in your um, lockbox or maybe it's in your desk drawer. It shows that you own the vehicle, but the vehicle isn't physically in the parking lot. But so all God requires you to do is to believe that you have the title deed, is to believe that you have that substance, that maybe that unshaped blob of what it is that you want. But it's his power and his faithfulness that makes that a reality in the visible world around you. So hope is a vision. In other words, the Bible says hope deferred <clears throat> makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. So 
That hope is what you keep in your vision so that you don't go crazy, so you don't get depressed, so that you don't just throw up your hands and say, why bother? And that faith is that title deed. So the two things go together. It's like two sides of a coin. You, both sides have to be intact in order for it to be used in, in the conversion process. Now, here's the thing. Do you understand how all of this works exactly? No. Nobody does because we're just human beings. We're limited. When we get on the other side, it says we, three, we see through a glass darkly. So Nicodemus came to Jesus in the middle of the night and asked him questions about salvation. And Jesus basically told him, he said, you don't even believe <clears throat> when we tell you earthly things. If I talk to you about earthly things, how will you ever believe if I tell you about the things of heaven? And so Jesus used things that we could understand. He used seed time and harvest. He used sowing and reaping. He used perseverance. Those are all things that we can understand. But what happens is, is when we try and dig a little too deep, we get confused because spiritual things, think about this. Remember when you're in grade school and you learn 2 plus 2 equals 4? When you learn 4 times 2 equals 8? When you learn that 8 divided by 4 equals 2? When you learn all these things and you feel like, okay, I'm like making progress. And then somebody adds in uh, percentages and decimal points. And it gets a little bit harder. And then somebody adds in algebra and then trigonometry. And it gets a little harder. Well, let me tell you something. Um, some people bail. They never make it to the algebra or the trigonometry part. No, those are all realities, but none of those realities, none of those subjects do you have to understand when you go to the store to buy a loaf of bread. Uh, maybe you have to understand percentages if something's on sale. But the thing is, Jesus said, lean not unto your own understanding. And when he saw his disciples standing around him, um, questioning him about the children that were bothering him, he said, don't, don't talk against these children that are coming to me because such are as the kingdom of heaven. And no man, unless you become like a child, can you enter into the kingdom of heaven. I don't believe that that means that unless you have a childlike mentality over 100% across the line, um, that that's what you need to enter the kingdom of heaven. I don't believe it's by works because the Bible says, by grace have you been saved and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. But I believe to enter into to spiritual things in and what Jesus taught, in order to receive the things of God, in order to walk in the things of God, you have to approach it like a child would. Let that awesomeness just uh, be what it is. Don't try and break everything down into a 2 plus 2 equals formula. Actually, I shouldn't say that. Don't break it, everything down into algebra and trigonometry when it comes to dealing with God, because the answers that you get are going to be off. And then you're going to base those off answers on future questions, and you're just going to get balled up. Lean not unto your understanding, it says, but trust and acknowledge God in all your ways, and he will direct your path. So I just encourage you that you have to break things down to the simplest common denominator at the end. And the very first place, I believe, to start is the fact that God is good. James chapter 1, verse number, let me get back to the right Bible translation here. Uh, James chapter 1, 
and starting in verse 16, it says, Do not err, my beloved brothers. Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no fickleness nor shadow of turning. So what are fickle people like? Fickle people, um, let's, let me read this from the King James Version. Okay, in the King James Version, it says, with whom there is no variableness. So, you know, we see situations and we think, well, what's the variable? What's changed? Because it's never God because he never changes. He's always the same. So every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there's no va variableness, neither shadow of turning. In other words, he is the same always. He's always good. He's always righteous. He's always loving. Now, some people have a hard time with that because they read the Old Testament. And what you have to understand is the Old Testament is what we call a progressive revelation. In other words, the people there didn't have the same understanding that they had after Jesus came and started explaining things. So if you go back into the Old Testament and read the comments there, you're reading from people who saw in part and understood in part. And absolutely, we still understand in part today, but we understand a little bit better because we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, has come to lead us into all the truth. So the Holy Spirit began his ministry when Jesus ended his physically here on the earth. So when we go back into the Old Testament, we can read things like the um, book of Job and Sometimes you say, well, how could God allow that? How did God... And some people even say that the devil knew how to get to God and make Job pay, even if it was temporary, by challenging him, saying, hey, if you remove the, you know, your, the hedge about him um, and he loses what he has, he'll curse you to his face. And then God said, everything he has is in your power. But what I believe is what the Satan didn't realize, rather than getting talked into a corner by the devil, I see it as the Job was already within striking distance of the devil, and the devil didn't realize it. He didn't see the opening. But God put limits on his power. So here's the thing. You have to be greater than your opponent in order to put limits on them. So God is greater than the devil. A lot of people see them as kind of co-equal because of all of the misery that we see here in the world. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he created beings that had free will. In other words, they could choose. And the price for that was that somebody would ultimately make a choice against God or against righteousness. So think about it. God created angels. He created man and the first angels left, it says, their first estate. They chose to follow Satan. Yeah, they were deceived, but they had the ability to make a choice. And then God judges righteously. So their end, we see it in the book of Revelation, that they will be thrown into a lake of fire. Now, I've never seen the lake. I don't know if it's literal fire. Of course, it can't be literal fire is like we see fire because fire needs oxygen and so on and so forth. So this type of fire, which probably looks like our fire, is an eternal fire. It never goes out. And 
It's described as being in a lake, so it's probably a pretty big area. And it says that hell and death and Satan and the false prophet and and those who've rejected uh, the message of Jesus, they will ultimately be judged and placed there. So this is a result of not God being a hateful or vengeful God. This is a result of God judging righteously. So God judging sin. So we don't see people talking about the devil in the book of Job, beside the writer of the book. We don't see Job's friends pointing out that there's devil demons and evil spirits that are uh, at work in Job's life or, or anything like that. So we, we, have the, we have the overview of it because we see it after the fact. But in the midst of it, you don't see people talking about the devil a whole lot in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, we see the curtain pulled back and the works of devils, demons, and evil spirits. And we see it in the ministry of Jesus. So Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So why I'm putting all this out is that when you're in the midst of your life and you're confused— you have to start going back to the very basics again because if you're confused, if you're frustrated, if you feel ready to give up, here's the one absolute that you definitely know. Your emotions are putting you on the wrong track. You're not where God wants you to be. God doesn't want you to be filled with fear and misery and hesitancy and confusion. God hasn't given us a spirit of confusion or a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And so let me say this just to encourage you. Go back to the very basics when you feel this way. Of course, you pray and talk to God, but sometimes you may find that you're at a loss of words. There's certain truths you need to reestablish in your heart. Number one, God is good. Number two, God doesn't allow things in respect that... um, Maybe the, you know, you see these, thankfully I've never had this in my family, anywhere in my family that I know of, cousins or anything like that. Everybody, uh, thank God, is, nobody went over into, into this type of thing. But <clears throat> you see things where, um, you know, maybe a father beats the kids and, and the mother doesn't say anything about it or the father's a tyrant in the house, but she just keeps her mouth shut. In other words, she allows this evil to exist in her home without rising up against it. Or um, somebody sees the um, um, a man across the street abusing his wife and doesn't do anything about it. I mean, doesn't even call the police or, or take a step to make sure that you know, you're not looking the other way. You know what I mean? We're talking about looking the other way. Uh, I remember I did something. I still to this day can't believe that I did it. But I was getting on the roadway, and there was somebody coming um, off the roadway. Now, I guess at the time I thought there's really no way I can stop here without getting in an accident, but the car went off the road and into a ditch. And a few seconds later, you know, I saw another car coming off the same, and I passed. And I first I thought, where can I pull over and, and get out and see um, – if I can do something about it. But at the time I was on my way to college and <clears throat> I remember just thinking, you know what? There's other cars here. I'm in a pretty visible area. Somebody else will take care of it. And I shot up a quick prayer and I, t- I basically did nothing. And, you know, after that, I felt guilty. I was sitting there in class and I thought about the person and the person wasn't driving fast. 
who knows what was was wrong and you know i i just had this thing in me that thought well you know that somebody else will take care of it um it's not really a critical situation i mean who knows what state of mind the person was in um could i have helped um i i don't know i don't know but the thing is i never made the effort and it was one of those things i regret it as time went on um that you see somebody in need and and you don't help them. Um, I remember a few times I, I faced that with like homeless people on the uh, street. You know, sometimes somebody looks nasty, but it doesn't mean they're nasty, you know. Um, and so over time, and it's been one of the hardest things for me, is to try and be more involved in helping other people, you know, when you, when you can help them. And so God had to teach me step by step how to do this. And I first learned how to do it with uh, clients and things like that, trying to not just do what they were paying me to do, but to try and go above and beyond and, and to be a good friend, to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So I thought, wow, if I drove off the road and something happened to me, I would want everybody to stop that could help me, you know? So, I mean, we're all the same. It, we're wired the same in the natural, in the flesh. We're, we're all self-serving. You know, if we don't know somebody, um, then we don't treat them sometimes like we would if, uh, well, actually, we don't treat them like we do with the people in our own household. You know, if somebody called you with a flat uh, tire, you would go out in the middle of the night if you had to uh, to. Even if you couldn't change it yourself, even if you had to just keep them company, you would do it. So, you know, we look at ourselves and sometimes we reflect that back on God. That, you know, God's busy with other people that are more important or you don't have a, as good a relationship uh, with God as other people do. So that means God isn't as willing or as anxious or as enthused to show himself strong on your behalf. And you make all these thoughts up in your mind and they're all lies. Because when you go here in the Bible, you see that there is no variableness in God. So even with the people that you love, there's there's variables, right? I mean, if you insult somebody, they're not nice to you uh, a few minutes later. If you insult your mother or your mother-in-law's cooking, uh, even if you were just being emotional about it or... You know, you just, you go on a vacation and, and you're not nice to people. I mean, people, there are so many variables in how people respond to us, but we reflect that back on God and God never changes. He's always the same. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, you could be nasty to God and because, you know, your heart condemns you and your heart affects your confidence towards God. And the heart is the seed of all things. So that's why it's so important to confess your sins, even if you have to confess the same thing day in and day out. Just like Peter asked Jesus, if our brother sins against us, how many times should we forgive him in the day, meaning seven times? And Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. So that means there's forgiveness. God's will is for you to continuously forgive. Jesus said, you know, if somebody go uh, bid you to go a mile with them, go with them too. If you have... If somebody asks to um, borrow from you, give, and, and, and don't require to be given back to you again. I mean, there's a lot of principles in here that 
are summed up in those first few scripture verses that we looked at, that God is not unrighteous to forget your work of love. In other words, you are not forgotten. I know you may feel like you're forgotten. I know you may feel like you've been uh, passed over. Maybe God's passed over you in favor of somebody else, and he'll get to you like eight months from now. But there's a reason why the Bible says, follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. That's Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 12. And I look at it like this. We each have our own test. We don't have somebody else's test. Imagine this. You sit down in a classroom. Everybody gets the same test. I remember when I was in uh, college, some of the tests were different. Not everybody had the same test. And they did that for a reason. Now, thankfully, in this particular uh, course that I had, you had three times to be able to pass uh, the first section, test one, and test two, and test three. So there were multiple tests in each section. And if you failed, you had two op more opportunities to pass it. And you had to pass all the sections, all five or six or eight, whatever it was, sections, in order to get a passing grade. Well, here we are in life, and we have tests. It's like we're sitting here at a desk, and we look at the person next to us, and it seems like, well, their, their test doesn't seem to be as difficult as ours. I mean, how come we're facing this, but they're not facing that? Well, you, here's the thing. You don't know what they're facing. Everything may seem perfect on the outside, but I can guarantee you absolutely it is not. People keep up a brave front today. And you would be amazed if you were, if you took everybody out of your neighborhood and made them come to the end of their driveway or into their parking lot if they live in an apartment or whatever. Everybody had to come out to their door and write down all the things they were struggling with. And, and in, in your decent, nice neighborhood, wherever you live, and those were all put into a basket, no names, and somebody actually got up and started reading what the struggles were. You would be shocked. You would, you, you would look at your own issues and problems and think, wow, I thought I was struggling, this poor person. And, but see, that's the way the human mind works, and that's why you, your mind has to be renewed daily. That's why you always have to make the choice that you want to grow in faith and hope and love. Those three things. Paul said, now abides these three, faith, hope, and love. Because if you don't keep things simple, if you don't grow in these areas, then you just go from one confusing circumstance to another. You're trying to figure out how to add things up and how to get from point A to point B. And you always find yourself hitting walls because it's not up to you to figure any of this out. All that's up to you, your responsibility is to trust and believe in God. Believe in his word, believe in his faithfulness, and learn how to stop being driven by your emotions because your emotions will drive you in the wrong direction 99% of the time. I'm talking about your emotions when you're facing tests, trials, and in, in the middle of tribulation because this is the Faith Tested by Fire podcast, right? We're not talking about things that are going great. We're talking about things that are causing you to struggle, things that are, are, are in the lives of the people around you, your loved ones, your friends, and, and just the world, just people around you are struggling. But your struggle doesn't have to be a struggle that ends in defeat and ends in failure. Why? Because the Bible says, Hebrews 13 and 8, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The only difference now is we don't see physically Jesus 
as we would in the day before he went to the cross. He's not physically laying hands on us anymore. He's not physically rebuking the devil in our lives like he did in those people's lives, right? So now, how does it work? It's very simple. And, and this is the thing. Just latch on to the simplicity that's in the gospel or the, the simplicity that's in Christ. John 16, 7. I'm going to end here. John chapter 16, verse number 7. <clears throat> he said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. That's hard for some people to believe because he wish, we wish he was here and that he hadn't gone away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So the Holy Spirit continued Jesus' ministry. And it goes into all of these things. He will lead you into all the truth. Verse number 13, and he said, he will not speak of himself, but whatever he hears, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So read John, the 16th chapter, Gospel of John. Be encouraged. Let those words be your, your truth. Let your emotions not be guided by the things that you're hearing or the things that you're seeing or what you feel like you're experiencing, but go back to the truth of the Bible. This is the test. The, at the end of the day, the test is, do you believe your, these scriptures or do you take sides against them and exalt your feelings and emotions over them? And that's your truth. That's about the, as plain as I could put it. Do you believe the test that you have to pass is, do you believe chapter and verse or will you push those things aside and exalt your own emotions and feelings over those things and accept those as your truth? The end result of everything depends on that choice. God said, I've set before you blessing and cursing, life and death. You have free will. I know sometimes you don't feel free to choose, but you do. The, th the thought that you don't is a lie. Okay, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me. Uh, please visit the main website at www.faithtestedbyfire.com. If you want to get updates on this podcast, you can subscribe there. Thanks for listening. This is Jim. Have a great day. God bless, and I'll talk to you soon.